Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. It's nice to be here. It's always great to be with the young people next door. And as they walked out, I was very tempted to walk out with them and uh, hand over, particularly because you do have so many capable preachers in this church and associated with this church. So I was um, listening to a few of the sermons recent. Steve, well done, very good. And and was it, is it Jamie's dad, isn't it, Graham Dow? Yes, yeah, so I thought, you've just got no shortage of talent in this church. I almost felt like uh, saying to Jamie, Jamie, you don't really need me to come and speak because you've got in a... Okay, um, hopefully you can see that. All right, uh, Jamie did say that... Um, it, Good to use a PowerPoint for you. Is that what you normally would have something to follow? I don't want it to find seem overly formal. So, you know, if at any point you're getting a bit bored of what's on, just shout something out and we'll switch tact or something. Um, in, in a moment, um, I mean, this, I don't know if this is your expectation. I understand you're doing this series on um, what God's people should be like. And uh, today, Jamie said, let's talk about God's holy people. So we're going to be reading Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 20. And in a moment, this will appear on the screen and it will come up on three slides. So we could, if you were up to it, if anybody wanted to read, we could have three volunteers. Let's see if the technology is, oh look, it is working, but before, sorry, I've missed a bit. This is what we're going to cover today. So we'll read Ephesians and we're going to read all 20 verses. So it's quite a long passage, but a lot in there, even though we're only going to dwell on probably the first verse. Um, and then we'll look at what is a holy people. So just um, examples not to follow. And that will become clear in a moment. Uh, what is God's example? You'll be no surprise what God's example of holiness is. And then we'll look a little bit of how do we follow God's example. And then I'll ask you, how well are you and I following God's example in terms of holiness? So I will ask you that, folks, to really think about that at the end. The good news is I won't be asking for your answer. It'll be very personal and private between you and God. So definitely won't be putting anybody on the spot or embarrassing anyone. So let's look at the scripture. Uh, oh, gosh, can you see that all right? It looked a lot bigger when I was on. Do we have one volunteer? Pepper, you were down. Can I say for the first, why don't you read the first screen, Pip, if you're happy with that? Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you for all our readers. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of being together as your people. Thank you that you're a heavenly father who loves us and cares for us. As we consider this whole topic, Lord, of being a holy people, we know that is very important to you, Lord. But equally, Lord, you don't want us condemned and feeling guilty and shameful, but you want us to be empowered by your spirit to grow in this area and to lead holy and pleasing lives. So the Spirit of God, help us. Help us as we consider this together. I pray you help me to emphasize what you want to, your people to know at this point. All for your glory, we pray. Amen. Okay, so what is a holy people? Here's a, a definition. It's a, a people who are dedicated, or we could use that word, consecrated to God. They are set apart 
as God's people, reflecting God in his image and attributes. And uh, a question for you, and as well for me, is this is a general question for you now at St. Margaret's. Looking at that definition of, of uh, what it means to be a holy people, are you at St. Margaret's Church a holy people? As I say, don't have to answer, just think about it. Are you a holy people? And if I was to get more specific, are you as a member of this church, if you're a part of this church, are you a holy person? Because sometimes we can think of holy people and lose ourselves, but God is a personal God and he asks us, are we a holy, a holy person? Am I a holy person? Um, I don't know, you probably may have heard this, some of you, this, uh, this thing called the three vices. You know, often in um, times gone by, they talk, particularly preachers, and often they get told this at the theological training college, that there are three vices to avoid. And it was called gold, gals, and glory. So often they were speaking to, to men at the time, mostly. Oh, and now we know it as money, sex, and power. And uh, these are three things that we face every day. And they can, they be things that can corrupt us, that can prevent us from being holy people. And we only have to look, it's not just as, of course, as, as Christians, whether in ministry or just as a Christian part of God's church. You only have to look in terms of the media. You look at politicians, you look at celebrities. It's normally one of those things. It's something to do with uh, money, or it's something to do with sex, or it's something to do with power and glory for themselves that leads to their downfall. And for us as the people of God wanting to be holy, we need to be aware of those things. And on all our work, rest and play, we need to be thinking about those things and avoid them and allowing God's spirit to help us to avoid them. So, you know, that first verse, and as I say, it's mainly almost the first verse I feel like we, we're dwelling on. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. When we think about examples, I just want to start before the example that we are to follow. Let's just think about some examples not to follow. Let's not follow our own example or standard when this is different to the Lord's. You know, often things that we do, the way that we behave, the way that we live our lives, is not necessarily to do with the Bible. Some things it's to do with our culture or our upbringing or our background. And sometimes those things dictate and influence us more than the things that should influence. So whatever our, and I'm speaking to myself, our own standards or examples differ to what Christ wants, let's avoid them. Another one to not follow is the world's example. And uh, this can be really quite difficult because we're, the Bible tells us we're in the world, but we're not of it. But the world is always trying to squeeze us into its mold. That's why the Bible says, I think it's Romans 12, talks about be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because as we live our lives, the world will try and tell us that certain things are okay. So, for example, if you think in that area of sex, what does the world think about adultery, sleeping around, one-night stands? 
Actually, those things are acceptable in the world. You are not going to get stoned if you commit adultery. Some people will think, wow, good on you. That's really good, whether you're a man or a woman doing that. But what does God think about adultery, sleeping around one night stands? Quite different to the world. And then the third not to follow, and this little bit controversial, not even the church's examples. And this was particularly perhaps more in the past, but if you think of the church, its view on things like slavery, or even relatively recently, even on things like apartheid, some aspects of the church, apartheid in South Africa, would very much be in favor of that. Just as in days gone by uh, with slavery, the church would actually be in favor of it. Some aspects, not all. There was always the branch of the church that would stand up against these things and would say that as holy people, we don't condone these things. And it's been great in more recent times to hear some of the archbishops really speak up against some of those areas of injustice and, and things that go against God. But those are examples not to follow. But what we're more interested in, what is God's example that we do follow? Verse 1 again and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Folks, the example we're following always is Jesus. We know it, but it's true. Jesus is our everything. You know, Matthew, it says when God thinks of Jesus, he says, Matthew 3.17, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And, you know, just like Jesus, God is pleased with us. When we think about holiness, we can think of, you know, we can get really serious and rightly so. But we can sometimes beat ourselves up. Because in a moment, we'll look at this whole idea of sin and how we fall short. And every one of us in this room will fall short from time to time. But when God thinks of Jesus as this is whom I'm well pleased, or one of my Yorkshire friends used to say, with whom I'm well chuffed. And that's how God thinks of us. He thinks of you. He's well pleased with you. He's not pleased with our sin, but he's pleased with us. He's not pleased with us if we're not walking a holy and pleasing life, but he's still pleased enough to help us to walk a holy and pleasing life. So Jesus is our example, and Jesus, as we know, sets a high bar. He's a high standard, but that's why we don't have our own standard or the world's standards or even the church's standard where they are not fully Jesus's standards. Really important that Jesus is our guide. So, okay, how do we do this then? How do we follow God's example? And, and I always, I, <laughs> I think to myself, there's nothing new. Folks, it's the same, what I call the same old, same old. To follow God's example, it starts with reading and obeying the Bible. That's why it's great that you're such a biblical church. You base things on the Bible. And it's so important because we're not even going to touch holiness if we're not using the standards of the Bible. So read and obey our Bible. And sometimes you will think, if we're honest, sometimes you can be reading your Bible and you think, I am getting nothing out of this. 
Do you ever feel that? Sometimes I feel that to my shames. Sometimes I will read my Bible at night and then I'll drop off to sleep. It should be the holy word of God falling off to sleep. That's why I tried to read it more in the morning. <laughs> but but the, I heard this um, picture once um, of um, someone who, who used to work a lot in Africa. And um, it was, they said that the women, and it was mainly the women, there were a few men, but mainly the women, in the beginning of the day, they'd get the clothes that needed washing and they'd put them in a stream and wedge them down with rocks. And then throughout the day, they'd get on with their work. And then at the end of the day, they'd go to that stream, they'd pick the clothes up and they'd be absolutely clean because the flowing water would just, uh, throughout the day, just cleanse those clothes. And it's a bit like that with the word. If we're in a regular pattern of reading the word, it has that cleansing effect on us. It washes away the impurities. It equips us and teaches us the right way to live, even though it's indiscernible sometimes. Not always. Sometimes you'll open the scriptures and God speaks to you and you know straight away. So read the word and obey our Bibles. And then what we were doing just a moment ago, worshiping God and praying. Prayer, worship, basic things, but they're keen. The more we spend time in prayer, the more we spend time in worship. Some of those things we read in Ephesians chapter 5 about singing psalms and making music in our hearts to one another, those are the things that help us to be holy because it's God by his spirit working in us and on us that allows us then to work through us as we affect other people. And speaking of other people, spend time with the right people. One of the very early scriptures I encountered when I first became a Christian many years ago was 1 Corinthians 15.33, which says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, it was one of my first year of university, and uh, I was really, you know, became a Christian big time, zealous for God, hope I'm still zealous for God, but certainly was in there. And, uh, and then there came a point when I, I started to spend a little bit more time with some of the people at the university off the course, some fellow students. And uh, the, the preacher at the church where I was at the time, he said to me, he said, Terry, you've lost your sparkle. And um, I reflect on that and I thought, you know what, you are right. And when I thought about it, I thought I was still trying to pray, still reading my Bible. But the thing that it was, it was I was spending time with not the right people. It weren't that these were bad people, don't get me wrong, they were good friends and some still are today. But, but it was that deviation from being more with the people of God and being more with the people of the world. That thinking affected me. And as I said, I lost my sparkle. And it's the same for us. Don't kid yourself, folks. If you spend enough time with the wrong people, it will rub off on you. And it becomes a lot easier to lead a holy and pleasing life. And then, of course, rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. This is so key. I think as Christians, sometimes we don't utilize the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given us. You know, when Jesus left to go to the Father, he made a big thing. He said, I've got to go because what I go, thus, the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. 
And it's the Holy Spirit that helps and prompts us. And if we're again going back to some of those things in Ephesians, when I think about things like, you know, um, gossiping or coarse joking or, you know, foolish talk, when I'm about to do that, or even if I'm doing that, it's the Holy Spirit that touches me and thinks, Terry, what are you talking about? Stop that nonsense. And I think, oh, yeah, and I will. Sometimes in mid-sentence, I'll feel that. It's just a nonsense. It's the Holy Spirit, folks, that helps us to do that. So I would encourage you to ask for the Holy Spirit's help on a daily basis. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that Ephesians, I think, towards the end, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the Greek tense, it means be constantly in the process of being filled. It's not a one-off. Sometimes we say, you know, if you familiar with this thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we say, Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And we do that, and we think it's a one-off thing. But I would encourage you to be constantly in the process of being filled with God's Spirit. Ask God, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. And that helps us to lead holy and pleasing lives. And it helps me not to tell any coarse jokes. And I'm going to, because you're my friends, I've got to confess this with you. Since I've become a Christian, before I was a Christian, um, I, I used to have some really great jokes. I, well, I still have some good jokes, actually, but, but some of these were really, really funny. But I knew that these were slightly borderline, and quite early, that, that, that scripture about coarse joking uh, really struck me. And I literally, still to this day, there's still a few jokes. I say, Lord, can I tell that? And I feel the Holy Spirit say no. So don't even try to entice me at the end to say, tell us some of those jokes, because... I know I would get it from God. It's called, and we just have to be sensible. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that on a very practical basis. But I do want us to acknowledge that living holy and pleasing lives does take effort. And throughout that passage in Ephesians, you could see that that sense of, you know, how much effort is required. And, uh, you know, it's not easy, guys. To, to shine as Christians, it's not easy. I remember um, a, a minister saying to me, he said, look, Terry, you, you are under the microscope. Everything you do, people will be looking at. And he, he was absolutely right. And it's the same for us. You know, when we go into our workplaces or into our schools or even with our wider family, people who don't know God, you know, they are looking at us. And uh, it's hard to to maintain that standard. But God wants us to, but he doesn't want it to be a difficult thing. He wants us to buy his Holy Spirit, working together with each other, encouraging each other, exhorting each other, challenging each other. So if we see each other deviating into things that aren't holy and pleasing to God, being prepared to say to one another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, look, I don't really think that's good, or the way you said that, the way you spoke to that person. You know, we have to have that if we're going to lead holy and pleasing lives together. And then acknowledging that when, and it is a when, when we mess up complete what I will call the SRF cycle. Have you heard of this cycle, SRF cycle? Okay, it's this. It's sin. Does anybody in the room sin. Do any of you sin? Well, I'll be confess, I do sin. Sometimes I sin. I do say or think something that misses the ideal standard of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That occasionally happens. 
Sometimes it happens more occasionally than I'd like it to. But I do sin. And then, oops, I'm jumping too fast, is what we do is repent. And this is really important, folks. Sometimes you and I can mess up, but we choose not to repent. Because the devil will prompt us and say, oh, well, you've always done that. You've just done the same thing again and again. You're not serious with God. And we can believe the lie, and therefore we don't repent. But if we don't repent, if we don't turn from what we've done wrong and say, God, I am sorry about that, we won't receive God's forgiveness. Because God really is so faithful and just. And when we sin and confess our sin, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That sin, in God's mind, it becomes forgotten, it's lost, it's no longer remembered. He remembers our sins no more. So when we're thinking of leading a holy and pleasing life, if we mess up, as we will do, just be quick to repent, receive God's forgiveness until the next time we sin. But there is, of course, as you see up there, there are consequences for our sin. So I'm not using it as an excuse or that, you know, we're giving us a license to sin. Okay, great. You know, I can do whatever I like. I can do things that aren't pleasing to God because all I have to do is repent and I know that God will forgive me. And if we genuinely repent, God will forgive us. Peter said, you know, to Jesus, how many times should I forgive people? Seven times? No, 70 times, seven times. In other words, go, go on forgiving. And God will go on forgiving us as we mess up. But what I would encourage you is when you mess up, repent and receive God's forgiveness. But do this even in small areas, not just the quotes, the big sins, but you know in that list in um, what we read out in Ephesians, even in some of those other areas, you know, things like greed. If you feel like you've been greedy about something, say, Lord, that's wrong. That's not holy and pleasing to you. I'm going to repent, receive your forgiveness, and, um, and then until the next time that I sin. Not that we look into the next time I sin. You know, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I, I do believe that with the power of the Holy Spirit, it is possible not to sin. Some people don't believe that. And my whole life, my life would not believe that because I try to have the Holy Spirit's help, but I still will end up sinning or, you know, in terms of some way. But I, I, I do believe God has equipped us so much with his spirit that we can really lead these lives that are pleasing. And the reason why it's important to live holy and pleasing lives is that it pleases God, but it also speaks to our neighbors. So it speaks to the people outside these four walls, speaks to those people that we uh, engage in on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes they don't like it and they think we're holier than thou, but if we're not doing it in a religious way, we're just living naturally that holy and pleasing life. It has a great effect. So that's, we, well, we've been through that. Uh, that is the cycle. But do face up to your consequences. You know, if we, if we have sins, sometimes our sins will lead to consequences. We have to face up to that. So, guys, okay, this is the personal reflection bit as we draw to a close. Considering the challenges in Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 20, and uh, I know it's an arbitrary scale, but on a scale of 1, which would be we're feeling quite low on holiness, or high, 
on 10, which is high on holiness, you're closer to being like Jesus, how well are you following God's example of being like Jesus? You know, be, be real with yourself. Be honest. Think about those, that list. Think about those areas of coarse joking, your foolish talk. You know, think about those, those aspects, those things that we do, the things that we think about. Just take a time and a moment to reflect. I'm not going to ask you for this. This is just purely for you. And often we can be harder on ourselves, which I think sometimes is a good thing. But start by asking yourself, just think of that. If you were to put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 low, 10 high, where do you think you are? And as you think about that, think about where do you need to change? Where do you and I most need to change? So we'll take a little moment just to think about that as we think about this area of holiness, living holy and pleasing lives to God, where are we falling short? Is it in our relationship with a partner or children? Is it in our work, our work ethic or things at work? Is it in the way that we behave in those areas of sexual immorality that was mentioned at the beginning of Ephesians? Whatever it is, it's between you and God, but have a few moments to think and ask the Holy Spirit for his help because he wants to help us. Okay, let's close in prayer, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace that we, we can lead holy and pleasing lives because we know that we are dearly loved children, that the example we have is Jesus Christ who gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you. And that's what we want to be, Lord. We want, to, we want our lives to be sacrificial, uh, to not do those things that we might like to do because we know they're displeasing to you. So Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you help me. I pray that you help each member of St. Margaret's Church, Lord, uh, those who are here today, those who might listen later, to lead holy and pleasing lives. Holy Spirit of God, help us to draw upon the great resource that you are to do that. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, for any who might be feeling condemned in any way, I pray that your grace will come right now. Bring that sense of hope, bring that sense of, um, yeah, just comfort that you can bring them through it. Father, where there's things that we need to repent of, I pray that by your spirit you'd put your finger on those things so that each of us can repent deeply and completely from the heart and fully receive your forgiveness, back fully in fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the provision of your amazing grace. And thank you for the wonderful example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.